Welcome to Dogma and Devotion, the podcast that sheds light on the beauty and truth of the Catholic faith. We discuss a wide range of topics from the viewpoints of two complementary vocations of the Church. I'm Ashley here with Father Dupre, and on today's episode, we're reflecting on the Gospel for the first Sunday of Lent, Year B. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for forty days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Welcome to Lent. Here it is. We have entered through the gate of Ash Wednesday, and I hope that people got a chance to listen to our recording on the uh, seven different areas we felt would be good to review to help us cultivate a, a great kind of plan or whatever, a little personal program to have a more fruitful Lent. And it's still up. And our podcast library for you to listen to. And even if you do have one kind of put in place, we touch on a, some topics that are just great, even outside of Lent, to, to take a look at. And so we're here in first Sunday of Lent, and it is a three-verse gospel passage from the Gospel of Mark. And it's also a very interesting point in the journey for all of our candidates in RCIA. And there is this step called the right of election that our catechumens will be taking uh, this weekend. And it's uh, usually what you'll see is at the cathedral in your diocese, there will be this kind of um, interview of sorts. Uh, where the candidates who are to be received into the church at the Easter Vigil will go before the bishop and he will pose questions and it will be to test their readiness to uh, enter the church. And it's a, it's a really interesting kind of ceremony to see and it, it kind of just reaffirms what is the life that we have as Catholics, as you go and witness one of these ceremonies, and it kind of just <laughs> reaffirms those who are already in baptismal promises to see, like, wow, this is this is the covenant that we are in. This is the one that we're about to welcome new members into, and it's just beautiful to see that there there is a marriage covenant that we are to be upholding as the bride of Christ, as we again witness some. Uh, candidates uh, be examined about it. And so the, um, the church, though, is also bringing them into the fold. That's a kind of another perspective to see, is that you're, you're seeing the Father reach out through His Son, uh, married to the church, right? The, the church is the mystical body of Christ, and Christ speaks through the hierarchy, and so you have there the bishop is 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 actually reaching for these candidates, calling them into communion. And so we hear in the gospel uh, to see kind of this covenant 
we see in uh, this little short passage from the first chapter of Mark's gospel about the the great battle. I think what we just think of most kind of iconically about Lent is Jesus uh, being driven by the Spirit, kind of interesting Trinitarian uh, interaction there, uh, and remaining in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan and it's, we always think about that, man, this is going to be a time of trial. This is going to be time of being challenged. You know, who do I really love? Um, as, as Catholics, you know, we're, we're being driven in by the spirit, by the kind of, um, flow of the liturgical year. This is that time to see how faithful of a bride am I to Christ? You know, he, am I as faithful as, as he is to the father? In, in his relationship with him. Yeah, so we kind of get this like abridged account from Mark, like we do with everything with Mark, about uh, Jesus' temptation in the desert. And probably very obviously, you can see the parallels to Adam, where Jesus comes as the new Adam, and where Adam failed, Jesus is able to succeed. But it's, you know, after this um, 40 days of temptation, it really kind of leads us into Lent, kicking off his entire campaign of healing that we see whether it's from disease or death or demons or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and I can remember being a young child and even sometimes as an adult, like reading the gospel and thinking like, why, you know, if, if he is perfect and if he is divine, then why is he being tempted? You know, why does, why does that even have to happen? And um, St. John Chrysostom says that Jesus endures that to train us how to overcome so like by experiencing it then he's able to you know show the disciples the way i definitely want to speak to that and yeah saint john chrysostom is is right on yes there's a model he is setting before us what are we to do with our human will and yes christ does have a human will that is true to christology our understanding of the human nature it is a 100 percent intact human nature that is united to his divine nature so yes christ has a human will and so how is he to live and move in in his human nature you know it's, it is to exercise obedience and there's something here in the opening prayer for this first sunday of lent which the more precise term is collect and it says, grant almighty God through the yearly observances of Holy Lent that we may grow in understanding of the riches hidden in Christ and by worthy conduct pursue their effects. This is really interesting. This goes back to the whole theme of the right of election. There is an examination on the part of the, the good shepherd in the bishop himself, right? The fullness of holy orders who is seeing, do you, do you desire to live in union with this covenant? And, and this gets into why the church holds to the moral teachings of the church. Yes, we believe that everything is grace. We are being given graces to respond to the next grace. To There's a grace at work to even get us to the confessional. There is a grace at work to help us to stay uh, diligent and faithful in our prayer life. There is a grace at work calling us to gather our families, to get into the car, to go to Mass. All is grace. 
and yet we believe in a harmony with our moral life, there cannot be this disjunction with the way we conduct ourselves, with the the graces and the and the riches that are in our indwelling of the most holy trinity which is sanctifying grace that is what is poured into the soul through baptism and so there is to be a life that holds it that preserves those graces and so again it's it's not just about you know you you catholics you know you you believe that you know you you have to earn it you know you you have to be good enough right to, to get into heaven while perhaps our, our non-Catholic brothers and sisters, some might say that, you know, no, it's it's all grace. You know, it's it's all about about what Jesus is doing for us. And it's like, wait a second, then back to Ashley's point here, then why would why did he have to be obedient and do the right thing? You know, why was he obedient to Joseph and Mary? And there is a life in Christ, and there is He's giving us a pattern on what to do with our human will. There has to be an exercise of our will if there's going to be a real covenant at all. And and the the reason why we're called to do good works, if you will, and they're just works of obedience. He did come to impose a law to help us to know what the relationship is and to define it, is you you have to be cooperating if there is a choice in your part at all. And, but also it, it's, it's to discover the, the glory, to, to hold it, preserve it, to enjoy it. It's to live a life that's not ruled by the flesh, to be free of excess. And I was um, talking about these readings here with a transitional deacon who will be ordained and, and he's serving with us, assigned to us in, in Abbeville of St. Mary Magdalene and here in the Diocese of Lafayette. And we were uh, talking about this whole thing about the riches hidden in Christ and it mentioned here in the collect and, you know, what is that all about? And, and so we were engaging it and just kind of sharing, you know, fruits of contemplation. And, and, and I said, you know, I find that it's hiding from us because we're hiding parts of our lives from Christ. Where are we not inviting Christ into our lives, right? Are there some moral teachings where we're just like, nope, no, thank you. Um, I'll, I'll tell God how many kids I'm going to have. Right. Um, and I'm going to hold that out there. And what I'm doing in my body has nothing to do with what I'm doing in church. You know, there could be that, um, it could be another area of our lives where we, we just, we just don't, we hide Christ, you know, from us, we're hiding from Christ in certain areas of our lives. And so, it's uh, to quote him, we were saying, yeah, it's just this hiding never seems to end. Where were Adam and Eve after they disobeyed and didn't want God in their lives right after they disobeyed? And he said, yeah, it just keeps going and going. The farthest place to hide from God is in hell. And I was like, man, that's awesome. It's so true. So are these riches, um, why are they hidden? Well, it's, it's a response to us hiding parts of our lives, namely moral uh, teachings, you know, that we just, we just don't bring in, we just don't embrace. And so we, how are we going to pursue their effects, like the opening prayer says for this first Sunday of Lent? Well, 
worthy conduct is what Holy Mother Church is asking us to consider. You know, our Lord <laughs> was tempted. And are we to say as members of his body that we will not follow where the head goes? Yeah, and I think that's like really leaning into the advice from uh, Pope Benedict XVI uh, where he says it, it's not just like um, we shouldn't be so focused on these like ritual things, but it's really just the relationship and the commitment to God because, you know, you're obedient to what you love. Amen to that. We're called to communion, called to a covenant, and, and that's what is there for us to discover with joy in this holy season of Lent. And yeah, as we may experience some new trials, some new temptations, as we discover a new fidelity, we may discover that, wow, cultivating this new good habit is a little more difficult than I thought. Um, I forgot what the going science is, but what to establish a good human, good human habit was it like, you got to do something at least 12 days in a row. Probably way more than I ever do. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like 12 days in a row, (laughs) Jesus. You know, we, we, we could discover that there's something difficult to do. Yeah. On our own, Mm -hmm. on our own. But this, just like the church is reaching for those who will be brought in at the Easter vigil, right? Calling them into the fold. This is the spirit driving us with Christ, our head into this desert in this time of focus. What's unique about the desert? Why the desert at all? Well, what does it symbolize? There's nothing else in the desert, right? There isn't the city. There isn't all the lights and the attractions. And, you know, for us, that's like going to Lafayette with a gazillion restaurants (laughs) (laughs) from where, where we are, you know, this, this Mecca of all these other diversions and distractions. And it's in the desert that there's nothing but our Lord, you know, there's nothing but the consolations of the spirit. And if, if we do not yield to the cravings of the flesh, wow, I didn't know life was this good walking in the spirit. And, and it's, it's only hidden to us if we have not yet invited Christ into more areas of our lives. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to choose where to eat when you're on the interstate, when there's only one choice on the sign versus, (laughs) you know, a sign with 10 choices. So if we take this time in Lent to kind of clear out all those things and then just leave that one spot for Jesus. A great point on the, um, talking about the angels as well, ministering. Uh, we have a cool prayer to end with from uh, St. Gertrude. Yes, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O most holy angel of God, appointed by God to be my guardian, I give you thanks for all the benefits which you have ever bestowed on me in body and in soul. I praise and glorify you that you condescended to assist me with such patient fidelity, and to defend me against all the assaults of my enemies. Blessed be the hour in which you were assigned me for my guardian, my defender, and my patron, in acknowledgement and return for all your loving ministries to me. I offer you the infinitely precious and noble heart of Jesus, and firmly purpose to obey you henceforward, and most faithfully to serve my God. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We will return for our next episode with the Gospel for the second Sunday of the week.